Hello and welcome back to the DP World Tour Picks and Bets 2023 edition. Skylar Hocus here once again. Tom Jacobs is joining me from across the pond. It's good to see you, my friend. It's really good to see you. I know you've been... Uh... Global, not globe tropic, I suppose it's all been in, in the States, but you've been state hopping, um, busy, keeping well by the looks of things, uh, which is always nice to see. So um, back to DP World Tour Golf after what feels like a, a pretty extended break, which it has been. Yeah, no, it, it was it was needed, right? I think we all knew yeah. the reset button, and I enjoyed the fall. I enjoyed I mean, the last time we were together. We have to you know, rack the memory a little bit. I had a tough 2022, Tom. It wasn't <laughs> a lot of close winners. In the first event of the new season, Dan Bradbury comes through after being one of our ones to watch on the betting card, 200 plus to one. That was, you know, that puts you in a great spot to start the year. I feel, you know, you're in a free roll position and it was great to kind of get some education on the newer guys that are now uh, having tour cards. Um, but we jump right into a Rolex series event too. So we have a, a strong field um, and, and just excited to get back going. Yeah, I think like it's just ironic, isn't it, that we couldn't find a winner on the show, and then the the one time we take a week off, you pick the guy, and uh, you know it, it is what it is. But people should have kind of listened to what you said about him on the on the show and seen your betting card that week and put two and two together. So hopefully, uh, some people told you there. But I just think that like this at least brings back the good memories of Thomas Peters winning for us. Yeah. I don't know how many times after that that we won. Like it might have been like once or twice. <laughs> like yeah, was, we we lived tough. the leaderboard all year. Just you yeah. know, getting winners is hard. We know that. We Especially definitely. on this tour, like I think because it's got so much weaker. Like before, you could kind of pick out like uh, I don't want to go into the discussion of why it's got weaker, but like you could kind of pick out five, six players, right? And then all of a sudden, kind of like foxes and the Smiths and people like that came to the fore, but they weren't necessarily high-grade winners until Fox won a bit of a run. Um, so it kind of became a little bit harder to predict, and I think that'll be the case again this year as we get used to some new faces climbing to the top. But certainly for this event, we kind of know we know these players wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had last week our, our first return, I guess, to golf in some way uh, for the DP World Tour side with the Hero Cup. Continental, um, Europe beating uh, Great Britain and Ireland. Um I don't know if I would say a dominating fashion, but never really um, looked like kind of your neck of the woods had a chance there as uh, yeah. Guido was just too good all week long, earning three and a half points, shared leader of uh, the top scorer. Um, but it was good to get our guys back in, in action and see that as, of course, it is a Ryder Cup year, right? So we, we have a lot to play for for some of these guys. One, and imagine we see probably the biggest – shake up from a previous team to a new team than we ever have before. Right. And a lot of these guys we talk in week in and week out and that we got to see last week uh, are going to be fighting for some spots. So my, my one concern with the hero cup was like, you think about, obviously you've got Rory, Ram and Victor. Okay. That, and Lowry, I guess that are like state. Well, Rory, Ram and Victor, are the staples of the, t of the team. Right. And then you go to the hero cup and the great Britain Island team have the other staples, which are Fleetwood, Lowry, and Hatton, mm -hmm. and they lose. Yeah. And you think, like, is that a positive in the sense that there's at least some new blood coming through? Or are we concerned that Molinari shouts out Lowry three and two? Um, you know, at least Fleetwood and Hatton did win their singles, but that was against Peters and Rosner. Um, is it? Is it? 
a worry for Europe or is it a positive that there's a little bit you know, deeper stuff, I guess, is, is what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, you can probably put a, <clears throat> an argument on each side, right? I mean, one, two golfers in the field this week that are, are PGA Tour winners in the past year didn't have good weeks, right? And, and Seamus Power and, and Sepp Straka. And even when you look at the odds, like – you know how I kind of traditionally had bet if I'm seeing power at 33s, you're seeing Straka at 50. It's like you got to really think about I, that, right? And, and I really wanted to back Straka. Like the first yeah. number I saw at like 50s, like, you've got to back Straka. Like he's just like we always see it with the PGA Tour guys dropping down to DV World Tour, and it is a drop down. Like they just play well, but when you look at like you said what Straka did last week, it, it's a little bit of a concern. But I think to me, like I don't know, like. I just can't work out. I don't know if it's just not worth reading into. Like, is it just not at the level it needs to be for it to be? I guess there's some players that could have done their chances a bit of good, and there's going to be some that maybe just quickly go out of contention. Like, does Jordan Smith just go out of Ryder Cup contention pretty quickly? Um, or, you know, do we look at Guidos and, uh, and the Nikolai Hoygaards and, uh, and the people like that, that, you know, this is a really positive. I just, I don't know. I guess it just wasn't a big enough stage for me to get too excited about it, but good for this week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's definitely a good amount of my, my card actually played last week and, and kind of talk some reasoning as we go in. So I think it's a, a good time to transition right into um, kind of the week. And, I, and I'll make sure I also say, um, you know, as we start up the year, um, ratings and reviews go a long way for us, right? We're kicking off another season. It's our third year together, right, Tom? It's crazy. It is. It's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, we spent this much time kind of going through that. We're going to have to get together um, at some point. We're worlds apart, but uh, we have this connected to us so, so the, it's only a plane right away Scott, isn't it i mean what, it what's, what's I'm telling you, oh, i'll see you in rome tom this yeah. is what it's all leading up for we have a big year especially guido gets on the team like yeah we get pat pat hit us some winners with us you know maybe we just get a little mayo media network get together uh in rome but um yes yeah, so you can find us uh, on the youtube page mayo media network make sure you um like subscribe uh leave us comments for that and then um on the audio side daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix you can find us on there again you know that'll be uploaded this is mondays we normally record on monday afternoons um and that will be out for you in the evenings so uh we appreciate all of the listeners who've gone i'm sure they're excited as well to be back here in the dp world tour season so again we, we really appreciate you guys and we're ready to ride yeah absolutely it's definitely exciting like i mean you know, pat does a great job of kind of telling people about us on his show and things like that and you know there, there should be some new guys come in and know we sort of got some tweets today sort of saying you know what's the best DP world tour i got tagged in a couple of our show which is nice to see and like you know that there are still people that just haven't really got used to betting on this tour yet so i, I still think at the moment this is a perceived value like you can become a little bit of uh you know watered down in terms of pj content there's so much of it out there and a lot of it's so good that like it's hard to stand out but there's still fairly limited amounts of dp world tour coverage so it's always nice to be kind of flying the flag for this tour Yep, and DraftKings is having 5K to first uh, for the first event of the, the DP World Tour season. Um, so there is some daily fantasy action too. So um, always good to have that. But yeah, let's just dive right on into the event. So we have the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. It's going to be played at the Yas Links. So last year was the first time Yas Links had been played. Kyle Phillips designed uh, Thomas Peters was the winner. I believe at 10 under was the score. Um, it looked like it could be kind of overwhelmed on the opening Thursday where people played quite well, but the scoring average last year uh, on Friday alone in round two was 75.5. Basically, 
Um, I guess it's kind of like a, a Middle Eastern links-ish type of course where if conditions are up, it is going to be impossible. If we do not see the wind in which we got last year, people can take advantage, right? So we've seen that at links courses over the last couple of years. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say just because Thomas Peters won, it's, it's, a, it's a bomber type of course, right? Yeah. Varying skill sets across the leaderboard last year. Uh, any takes on the course for you? Yeah, I think you covered it well. Like my, my main point is going to be to like, if the wind doesn't get up, we should see a, an easier renewal, right? I think that's really important to kind of flag that it is like a links course. Like Dunhill links can get tough if, if the weather's bad, right? And, you know, Kyle Phillips, I think, is responsible for Kings Barnes as well, which is one of the three courses at Dunhill links. He was uh, responsible for the Dutch Open course, which we'll come into a, a little bit later on. Like he, He's done some stuff and it kind of like you look like you said, like Peter's beat Shabanka Sharma. Sharma's he, he can hit it a decent way, but he's not renowned as this big bomber, right? I mean, Bello was back in the day, but isn't really now. Jeff Winters not, De Boisson's not, Poulter and Morrison certainly aren't. Morrison's probably one of the shortest players remaining on the tour, and he was in the top six. So I think it's it's a pretty balanced skill set in terms of what you need to be successful here. I guess if the weather is down, like the bombers maybe do come to the fore, but like you just think about, I think about good links players. I was thinking about this before. Like, you know, like when they say about good links players, it's always a category of like, oh, he's going to be really good when the wind gets up. But like just as important as that is being good on links when the scoring is low as well. Like being able to shoot at 62, 63 in calm conditions is, is just yep. as important as being able to shoot at 68, 69 in tough conditions, right? So I think you've kind of got to find that balance, which I think we will do between our picks. Um, you know, I, I found it really hard and I haven't in the end made a pick between, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood's there at 12 to 1 with Tyrrell Hatton at the same price, Shane Lowry 14s, Alex Noren 20s, and Thomas Peters 25s. Like, I couldn't find one that I liked amongst those. I think they all make good claims. And if I hadn't seen Alex Noren part of the Dunhill links, I probably would have gone there, given the form that he's shown on the PJ Tour and, and DP World Tour of late. But um, yeah, I, I couldn't go there in the end at the top of the range. Yeah. <sighs> Again, for, for new listeners for us, um, you often do see our cards starting in the 20s, if not 30s. Um, most weeks, we like to get some each-way value or at least each-way opportunity with our guys um, when when we are betting. If, if we are laying a, a flag, you know, planting a flag at somebody on the, on the leaderboard, it's or high up at the odds board, it's somebody that we're very confident in, and I'm not with any of these guys. Like you mentioned up the top, they weren't all that sharp in the Euro Cup last week, right? Um, now they have had some some sustained success, obviously, over time and, and deserve, and they are very strong links players, all of them, uh, with a lot of success on it but i am definitely still reaching down a little bit i think the next two people on the odds boards are the two that we are interested in um, the numbers as we talk are getting cut on some of them even as, as their their popular selections and, and no surprise so i'll let you go first um, with yours yeah so for me Minwoo lee is a player that you know you put up a, a decent amount last season right we, we talked about an awful lot got a bit of coverage on here and i just looked at you know, like it was kind of my last pick, which is strange being from the top of the board, but like I wanted one nearer the top and, and I deliberated for a long time, whether it was going to be Noren or whether it was going to be one a bit further down. I mentioned that I wanted to back Sepp Stracker, but had the concerns from last week. Um, Minmu Lee, just a really strong finish to, to 2022. Last six events of the calendar year, never finished outside the top 12. Uh, that 12 came at the DP World Tour Championship. He was second going into the final round of the Open de España. He was a 36-hole leader at Valderrama ninth at Nedbank, and then he went home to Australia and, and posted back 
back-to-back top fours, which you would expect in in that kind of strength of field, right? Like it's not it's not a massive positive, but it's just good that he sharpened his you know irons just before the the end of the year, as you like. And um, you look at his two wins: Victoria Open and Scottish Open, both kind of wind-affected links-type golf courses. Um, didn't play great here last year, finished 35th, but his final round 67 was one of the best of the day. It was actually only bettered by two players as Adrian Aus and Henry Stenson shot 65. So uh, to me, I think, like, is he twice as likely, twice as less likely to to lose, uh, to win, sorry, than Fleetwood and Hatton? Like, I don't think so. Like, are they, have they got two times better chances than him? But I just don't think there's that much of a gap between them and the top now. Um and, you know, we've seen Fleetwood obviously come back to a bit of form. That was a really messy sentence. But like, my point is that, like, I don't think there's much of a gap between Mimouli and the top. Yeah, I mean, and it's just kind of the conversation of um, math versus feel versus eye test. And, and some of these golfers that I have a tough time really thinking of anybody that holds a DP World Tour car as some type of, I, not holds a card, a consistent DP World Tour player that is like a uh, prolific winner, right? You know what I mean? Like who I am fearful of every single time Sunday comes around and they're sniffing the leaderboard, right? And that, that's not these guys here, for me at least. You know, at, at this point, um, you know, you don't have, you don't have, I mean, how, how fearful were you, you know, when Scheffler was on the leaderboard middle of summer last year, or Rom sniffing around, you know, or, or Rory, of course, like even though the odds can be similar, and mathematically, they're the same ways. It's just not the same um, killer instinct, I feel like, in some of these golfers that we get to have, which provides the opportunity to get on guys a little bit deeper down the odds board and cranks up the variance uh, week in and week out. Um, I- I'm trailing right down the board. There was 33s that were open, just available. Min Woo Lee is 28 on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's the best number out there. Um, the one that um, was 33s as we opened the show is now um, becoming a popular selection down in the 28, and I'm still fine with that, is our friend Robert McIntyre. Um, we were hard on Bob, I think, last year, and I think it was fair. I think it was very fair as he has been priced in a position where his pedigree just didn't line up. With, his performance just didn't line up with, right? It just it just really was something where he was consistently 28 to 40 in stronger fields than this and was not playing at a position in which he deserved to be at those numbers, in my opinion. And that really switched when he won at the Ryder Cup venue at the Italian Open, right? You know, and it was – people were on, I believe. You know, it was popular – somewhat of a popular selection, a little bit maybe even where the odds had trickled out more than they had after people had caught up with how um, inconsistent the game was. But he goes out from there, and, and he has five consecutive top 20 performances. Um, very hard on himself as he really lost his game in the final two events. He was very disappointed at the DP World Tour Championship. But um, although his team was the losing team last week, you, you could probably make an argument that, that Bob McIntyre was one of the more impressive golfers last week. And somebody who has performed well on, on Lynx courses, who when the condition gets up, I, I do agree that, that he's somebody that I trust a ton. But he has – definitely scored um, in, in low courses too. He has a, a, a very strong overall game, you know, and, and he mentioned it vocally last week saying, you know, how positive he felt about his game, um, you know, from an all around tee to green standpoint. So the 28s, the 33s, you know, if, if I'm looking at somebody who's going to be what Fox was last year, what Robert, what Jordan Smith was last year um, in that, in that 
next level up. Bob still has a couple levels to go, and that level is what I think we all think he has in him, and that's somebody who's competing with the best in the world. And last week was a glimmer of that, and I think he's got a huge year ahead of him. So I, I will take the plunge here at 28 to 1. Yeah, nothing I like about him. He's got a third and eighth uh, at Advisors at Classic. He's got a fourth place finish at the Deep World Tour Championship in the past and a ninth place finish at Razel Khymer as well. So he does just generally play well um, in the Middle East, which is it was just a huge positive. He played well at that other Razel Khymer event as well, just didn't hold on to the final round. And even some of those Tour Championship efforts that he's had already uh, were actually yeah. better than he kind of finished off right. Like he just didn't close it out. Yeah. Um, yes, he did finish the season slightly poorly. Um I do think the Lynx thing a little bit is overplayed with him, but that's not the reason you're picking him, which is not for you. Like you're talking about him as an encompassing player. Like if people are just going, it's a Lynx event, let's pick Robert McIntyre, be concerned. But I think when, when you're considering everything, it's absolutely fine. And I think that he will, like he has to, right? Like he has to kick on. Um, yeah. If he doesn't, then questions are raised, but we've seen this guy finish, you know, what top 12 of the masters. Like it's, it's, it's an important year for him. Yes, 100%. I think this year is probably as big as ever with a Ryder Cup year um, for him. I think falling short of making that team is a big disappointment in, in what he has ahead of him. So I would be on on with you there. Um, hit that mid-range following um, next here where, you know, we haven't really mentioned there are live golfers that are that are in this event. Patrick Reed is another golfer there at 33. You have the <laughs> Tour golfers, right, with with James Power and Sepp Straka finding in this range. Um, you know, Fox is in here. Moronk. Rasmus Hoygaard is playing this week. Did we have awareness of why Nikolai subbed in? Was it an illness or an injury? I think Rasmus is fine and okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I just I was surprised. I didn't really pick up on that, so I don't know. Um, I just saw that Nikolai was playing. I just thought maybe Rasmus just didn't play. Um, they subbed out like a week before. Yeah, and. I don't know if the, we we often talk about this. Like, there's a discrepancy between the two players' prices, right? Like, I did give Rasmus a, a glance at the start, and I thought, oh, you know, 35 to one is not too bad. And then you looked at Nikolai, which I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit, like at 70 to one. I don't, I don't know the the difference between the two players in terms of winning upside. I think one of them, you know, Rasmus is quite clearly the most consistent, and that they protect themselves against each way value. But in terms of winning upside, that Nikolai's not far behind. No, no. Not at all. So I'll go right into my next selection um, that's just a little bit down the board, um, and it's Victor Perez. Um, we have four golfers, um, and I'm just not going to deny. Like I I'm, I'm love people that knock the rust off in a really good way in this part of the country. Not at a, I would say a similar golf course, but it's not all that different, right? You know, we've seen a lot of translation and type of um, – location form i would say and and uh victor perez was one of the more impressive golfers him and guido uh went two oh and one together um just last week but you know that that's a feather in the cap of which the pedigree in which uh you know perez walks into this event two-time dp world tour winner one of them being um at the alfred dunhill links you mentioned off the top um Kingsburn is a Kyle Phillips design. I believe one of his other wins is on Kyle Phillips too, or he has he has other Yes, he, he won he won when he came back and won a Dutch Open last year, yes. that was the Kyle Phillips um Bernardus course, I think it's called. Yeah. Um and he and he won there. So beat Ryan Fox and Adrian Moronk. So it was a good result. Yeah, so so you look at um 
you know, that build up. You look at the type of game he has, right? I think he, he's all around. I think he's deserving of being maybe priced even near the 40 to one range. You know, some of these guys, and you're still seeing 55s out there for Victor Perez. Um, just when, when he's at his peak and, and like, just like last week, he's one of the better, if not top five ball strikers in the DP world tour. And I will uh, go to war with that every single time. Yeah, I think, I think it's a tough one. Like, I think I'm going to join you on him purely because when I think about it, he's, he's won on that Carl Phillips design. He's won on one of the three courses, the Diamond Hill links, um, which is a Carl Phillips design. He's got a fourth place finish at the Saudi international, which is past pattern greens, which they are this week. Uh, And he probably should have won that event. too. he was, yeah, like he was, he was right in the mix. I remember. And like, I think it just depends. Like you have to look at what you think Victor Perez is like, he's finished second in this event before. Like he shot a final round 63 is kind of leaderboard last year. He was fourth after round one and 10th after round two. Um, so started the event really strongly, but I don't think his game was as bulletproof as it was back in the day um, because he was he, he was out of form. And now he's kind of got that kind of belief back. I think that's really, really important. So to me, uh, Vitz Perez, who last time we saw him, I think he was 12th at the DP World Tour Championship. Yep. I'm pretty sure he ended it with a 66 as well. So like, yeah, I, I think everything lines up for Perez. And, and I was debating kind of this range of Straka, Perez, Molinari, Ategi, like, there was some, there were some people there and I think Perez is the one. So he would be my um, second pick with you as well. Yep. Yep. I can hundred percent get behind there. I think it, it is mentally, you know, just kind of fighting that um, belief with power and struck. I wouldn't be surprised if any of them, you know, right. Um, those two really get into the mix this week, especially set being a winner um, on a bigger stage and also making a run at it at the tour championship um, to, You're talking about your motivation. You talk about how Bob McIntyre mattered a ton to him um, about getting on to the Ryder Cup team. You you could probably say the biggest person who is, I I don't know, it's hard to judge mental opportunity or mental, um, you know, kind of narrative street. But Francesco Molinari, like you mentioned, is is somebody who is jonesing to, to be on that Ryder Cup team in Rome after what him and Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood did. Um, it's just something that if I didn't see what I saw last week, I'd be willing to be like, all right, it's fine. It's yeah. Totally fine. Like, and he was probably the last one that I put on, on the card. And, um, you know, we, we like to mention our friends kind of across the industry and, and, and Ben Coley is, um, on him. I recommend always kind of listening and following and I'm Ben, one of our good friends at Ben Coley golf. And he kind of mentioned the number in which, you know, Molinar is available, I think in the States still at sixties as of this. And it wasn't that long ago, um, where he had teed it up at the Italian open and he was 22 to one in a field which had Rory, Hovland, Hatton, and Fitzpatrick. And now you come here at a weaker field compared to that, more than double the number, yet Hatton is 12s, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like we, we've started to see these flashes with Molinari too, right? You know, like... It, he's, he was six, 64 in Mexico, didn't he? To open. Yeah, and, and what? He was 15th at the Open, then he was top 10 at um, the BMW PGA, right? Those are the best two events of the season, he was pretty decent at the Alfred Dunhill. Like, you know, uh, at the RSM, he had really good approach numbers when he, when he played out there. And last week he was exceptional. You know, he shared that top pointer earner. So that to me is just enough to have a speculative to start the season when you're trying to, you don't really have form out of a lot of people. You're trying to play into what you think could be. 
I have a tough time leaving Molinari off the card, especially with the number he is. Yeah, so my only concern with Molinari is he just doesn't play the Middle East like yeah. very much at all. Like he hasn't played this event for like I think it's like eight years. Um, which you know some of it is for the fact that he moved over to America recently, but like even before that, like he just didn't play it, and and I wondered why. Um, when you look, he's got a couple of eighth place finishes here, so it's not like he's he's poor at the at the event, right? Like it just I just wonder if he just doesn't want to start his season that early or whatever. Whereas this time he kind of had the the hero cup captain duties, if you like. And like you say, he's, you know, he's definitely as motivated as anyone. And I'm pretty sure strokes gained going off on someone on Twitter because someone basically said that he had family troubles or something. And Molinari said, I'd love to hear what these family problems are. Like you just concentrate on you and whatever. Like he, I don't, I don't know the exact uh, translation, but um, yeah, he, he wasn't happy about that. So I think there's, there's certainly a, a fire bubbling under Francesco Molinari at the moment to get back to, I think the problem with Molinari is like, People think he sucks now because he's not the player he was in, what, 2018? Was it 2018 when he, he won the Open? 2021, the Open, yeah. Um, and then 2019, when he obviously contended for the Masters. Like, that was career best out of, not out of nowhere, but, like, certainly a different level to what he was before, right? Whereas, like, if you think about what he was up until kind of, like, up until 2018 like he's not really deviated too much from that it's just he he kind of peaked 2018 2019 it's hard to kind of keep up with that like he won two pga tour events in between those two years he won the open championship he contended at the masters like it was just a hot run of form that probably wasn't sustainable really yeah yeah for sure for sure so to see the the step back basically it was just a a violent swing on both sides where, yeah um but i mean he he uh, there's enough there, in my opinion, still the number to I would kick myself more not being on than than looking at the opportunity to start the year when you're trying to uh, thread the needle. So does it still keep on me when we're looking at our cards? I'm trying to double check. Yeah, next here. next year would, would be the the, the yeah, Danish yeah. man that we've already mentioned, and then it'll be on to me. Yeah, so you know we talked about it from the top, right? You you mentioned we went through Rasmus trying to figure out there. Nikolai was exceptional at the Hero Cup, and Nikolai was very good in the lead-up event prior. He was uh, in Australia, right, when when um, uh, Moronk won. Uh, he was, I believe— He finished 10th at the Australian 10th, Open. 10th, right, the Australian Open, right? So 10th um, there, and we know the wild swings in which you know his season can bring, right? He won uh, an event sandwiched between seven missed cuts, I believe it was. Um, where was that event? It was in this— area of the world um you know so i do have some solace there with it um i i just think you know when i think of nikolai and i think of the upside there's just really sky high right like i mean it's his five starts in this area of the world are miscut win miscut miscut fourth um you know he teased it up against the best last week and, and him and molinari earned themselves three and a half points each he was i believe seven under through 16 holes um yesterday um when when he played in the hero cup um and i just he's not somebody i think you can really predict he might be somebody that i just need to commit to like for a stretch of time right and and not be phased off of anything now the the way peters won last year is more maybe the way that you could see Nikolai winning with with the driver now if things don't pan out the way from a course standpoint that's the fear with him right like he does pretty much have a, a single angle in um and that that can be scary but no it wasn't he wasn't 600 through seven i believe he was 700 through 18 
going head to head with Seamus Power, multiple Eagles on his card yesterday. You know, that's a, that's a big win, right? Yeah. You know, that, that's the most prolific guy that's probably on there from PGA Tour standpoint, of course, um, and and trying to get, you know, over here. Um, and I guess I wouldn't say prolific if you stand him up against Fleetwood and like Hatton and Lowry, but a big name guy, Nikolai, going out and beating him. Um, you know, finishing uh, as well as he did. I, I think it's huge momentum. And, and I love the number. It's still 70s out there, right? I think that's the thing. It's a 70 to one shot uh, on somebody who we know can compete with the best in the world. 14th at Dunhill Links as well. You, I don't know exactly what he scored on Kings Barnes, but I'm assuming it was pretty good to, to get to that number. Um, if it wasn't, then maybe that's a factor. But um, to me, like, I, I'm trying to think of the best comp for him on, like, the PJ Tour for people that are listening, maybe that are new. I'm guessing, like, someone like a Siwoo Kim, like, just always seems like to be... Like a camp champ, even, right? Yeah. Like... Maybe yeah, maybe champ's probably better because he's so volatile, whereas Kim does have a little bit of consistency. I'm just thinking of a player that, like, has winning upside, but value always seems to be there. Like, Siwoo Kim was 50 to 1 last week. Um, yeah. And, you know, this is a guy that's won, what, like, four times on the PJ Tour, and he's won the Players' Championship. So, Nikolai strikes me as that type of player that couple of good results in a row like you can probably forget him but like when he's this kind of 50 70 90 100 whatever price like you should probably just buy it because like his, his like you say his, his volatility is is so good for winning upside yep yep absolutely all right enough of my selections i'm passing it to you <laughs> next one on your list so i love adrian else he was actually the, the first person on my card uh i already mentioned that he shot that fine around 65 here last year which was the best um of the day uh that led to a 20th place finish in total but he's played in the middle east 13 times like in the last kind of 15 events that have been played in the middle east six top nine finishes uh all of the last four have been ninth place. So if you can bet on him to finish ninth, then just do that. Um, but his most recent was at the DP World Tour Championship, where he was second, you know, where he was ninth. Um, and he was, you know, he was playing pretty well up until that point. He was second going into the final round of the Razzle Kaima Classic before that, uh, but finished ninth after a poor final round. But since then, he's obviously a winner. Um, hasn't probably kicked on as much as we hoped he would after that first win. Um, I think people kind of, but again, it's, it's what people expect right like people just like oh he's won the first one so now like hatfuls will come and it just doesn't work like that for basically 90 percent of the tour like probably 95 percent of the tour like there's only certain people that win once and then just kick right on um you know he's got a flawless record in this event four four starts four made cuts um he had one really poor round really last year he shot a 76 in the final round which when you said like the the scoring average was like 75. It's really not that bad. Um, he just didn't take advantage on the first day shot of 70. So um, to me, like, I think there's just a lot of upside on Arnaus. Like he plays well um, in kind of links conditions as well. We, we've seen that in the past with Arnaus. So to me, I think starting off a year again, I don't, he's probably someone that hasn't been talked about for the Ryder Cup. Um, and I probably wouldn't put him in that category, but like, it is possible. Um, and he was he was third at the Saudi International game, Paz Palum Green's big event. Um, and to me, there's definitely some stuff to like about Adrian Alston. I'm not going to play him. Uh, is he 75 to 1 now on DraftKings? Let me double check here. I think it's 75 to 1 DraftKings, 80 somewhere else. Yeah. Yep. That is correct. Cool. So, yeah, solid numbers there. Um, yeah. Is, so many of these guys can leap and do a different echelon this year, right? And and I guess we probably could have said that last year about some of these guys, and they did, right? Audrey got his first W. Like, 
it's just started it. Bob got a, a win, like a true win under his belt like that, you know, um, there's just still another level up. These guys can keep going or sustain, um, and, and kind of see it from there. Um, I'll let, well, what's the start of the year? I think we can, um, we, we can like explain if we have anyone that's new, that's listening, uh, we can walk through a little story time. Um, so I fell in love with the, the DP world tour. Probably I'm trying to think of the exact year, five years ago, 2017, was, maybe. you know, right. You know, we're, we're a little bit younger, um, in our golf fandom overall. Right. Um, you know, and, and something that I have just been obsessed with kind of my whole life is statistics and numbers and diving into, um, you know, the why behind things, telling yourself a story. And that's really what began my interest in the DP World Tour is after I got so statistical and interest in the PGA Tour, doing rolling stats, finding, you know, short-term form versus what was the traditional old form prior to all these sites that were really out here, right? Living in Excel um, and kind of learning this stuff. When the DP World Tour first came out with strokes gain statistics, um, that was kind of my leap into following this tour. You know, you can bet on it like anything else. There's not, there is zero difference in betting on the DP world tour, the PGA tour, anything, right? Like that's one of my favorite things out there. Of course, you know, you can win a hundred K every week playing DraftKings uh, for PGA and you might not be able to on the DP world tour side, but every time a golf event happens, it doesn't matter where it is or who's playing or what it is. The odds are still the same across a relative perspective of this. So learning on the DP World Tour, there was um, statistically one golfer that stood out in my, my research every single time. And his name is Guido Migliazzi. I mentioned him a few times off the top, right? And, and Guido, when we look at – and this is, again, this is 2019 when they first rolled out these, these strokes games. So there were some, some in 18 and then fully in 2019. Their caddies were scribbling and they would be doing the math afterwards. Um, and Guido, we love ball strikers, right? We absolutely love ball strikers. And Guido was week in and week out a prolific – and I'm not kidding. You'd be leading the field in strokes game ball striking and he wouldn't even sniff a made cut. Wouldn't even sniff it. He was losing – seven, eight strokes on the greens and, and two rounds. It was awful, 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 awful. And after the first round uh, in Kenya in 2019, Guido was in the mix and he finally was able to be positive on the greens. And, you know, we had, we had been following this guy. We had then jumped on and bet him there comes in an electric win in Kenya a month and a half later wins a Belgian knockout and he is winning at deep, deep odds. Right. And then he's top tending some random events, the Porsche European Open, having in the mix. And he was somebody that his approach numbers that year were, were the best I've ever seen on the DP World Tour. And that is being truthful uh, from the numbers that were at least being spit, spit out um, kind of that year. Now things have advanced. Guido's game has advanced. But the numbers really don't change when it comes from the odds. And you still have opportunity. And I believe just like he did last year, right, Guido won out of nowhere in France uh, with the round. That was the round of the season. Without a doubt, I think that that final round in France was a round of the season. And he is somebody that I've committed to backing, especially when the number is like 66 and beyond, always backing Guido because I can believe I, I truly believe he can beat and and contend with anybody in the world because of his upside and the way his games evolved. I mean, he was fourth in the 2021 U.S. Open. People forget that. Like he was on the back nine in, in a major getting getting publicity is like he was there in the mix of it. So. Um, I mean, he was top 20 this past year in it, top 15. So uh, Guido Migliazzi, 
was exceptional last week uh, in the Hero Cup, gained three and a half points, being one of the better players, was minus six through 16 holes just yesterday um, when when he was closing out another match there. Uh, he's 100 to one out here. I'm absolutely back from Guido after the good vibes. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, right? Like that final shot in France even was probably one of the best, like, of the season, right? Like it was unbelievable. Um he just has that, he kind of has that X factor that you like and people get excited about him. He's kind of this young, fresh-faced kid that actually looks younger than he even is. Um, and he is young. And I think there is upside and he'll be motivated to get into the, the Ryder Cup team as much as anybody as well. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. Like, he's never played well in this event is my only concern, but that doesn't mean that he can't. Um, and as you said, like, statistically speaking, he stands out quite often. So um, definitely one to keep an eye on, I think. And, you know, as as you've already said, like, the the prices don't move too much so like well they only go one way really they go out so keep keep an eye on him and, and just probably just keep persevering with him with it and, and i really don't think like that is especially on some of the peripheral tours like a bad strategy if you are very high on a golfer and like we mentioned with nikolai hogar he's probably somebody that you could just literally trust enough that you bet every week and you set aside an allocation and, and he's going to return some profits for you right yeah. Uh, you just hope it happens on the weeks where the number's bigger. It's no different than what people thought with Tony Finau, right? Like you just trust it for that moment to come against the best of the best. And it finally did like, so that, that's just kind of that blind faith um, that I have with, with Guido there. Um, so that's the fifth selection. I have one more, but we are aligned on this one. So I'm going to let you roll into uh, one of the better names in golf. Yes. And I'm probably going to butcher it, but Chaz Jenna Watanond uh, for me is, He's a golfer that always kind of pops up, like, one, because he's got an incredibly long name, and I just have to type in Jazz OWGR because I can't be bothered to type in his surname. But, like, um, you know, he, he's a guy that can that can peak. He, he's played and won in, in many different, you know, Japan and Asia events and things like that. Hasn't yet broken through on the DP World Tour, which I guess is – I don't know if that's a concern or not. I mean, he's only 27. It's not like he's he's old, right? So, I mean, looking between 2017 and, and 2022, he, he's won 10 times, or, you know, eight times across two tours. He won like a few weeks ago too, didn't he? Yeah, and, and the most recent thing that caught my eye is the fact that he won this International Series Morocco event, um, which is basically the kind of feeder – thing to the live tour right yeah. um and then there was some decent players david Quigg was playing in it and, and a bunch of other guys and to me like that was enough to kind of catch my like anyone anytime you look at recent form and there's a one next to someone you, you kind of want to you know dive a little bit further right and then when i looked um into it just even further than that like his most recent start was a sixth indonesian masters which he plays well in before and and that's always good and when you look he was sixth at the Mallorca open he was sixth after every round he was 14th at the uh, and the Thea Masters, where he first round led at the um, Valderrama course there, which is obviously tough. So 14th, 6th, and 61st for his last three starts on the DP World Tour. Then he finishes first and sixth on the Asian Tour. Um, to me, like that, that's kind of great form for somebody in the in the triple digits, right? Um, he's got a top 10 at that Carl Phillips Design Bernadette's uh, Dutch Open event. He's also been 31st there in the past. And two of his wins in Asia have come on past Palin Greens as well. So for me, there was just so much to like about Judge Dunham Watson on uh, at a big price. And as I said to you earlier in kind of messages, you know, when I get like this on a long shot, it tends to go wrong. Um, normally someone like a Paul Waring or an Oliver Wilson or someone like that. But, um, you know, it's Judge Dunham Watson on this time. Hey, I, I like it. He had stood out too from that recent form. He probably, um, I'd have to do the numbers I want to see. He, he might have played the most golf of anybody um, this past year. He played 37 times in 2022. Hmm. Um, 
like Sanjay hold his beer, right? Like, come on, like that is <laughs> an impressive amount of, of events he played. And there's a lot of strong finishes. I mean, we, we've, we were introduced to jazz at an early, uh, early age in his career, right? Where he definitely is still young um, and, and has a lot of opportunity, 130 to one out there. Love the each way um, with that. That's on DraftKings. Um, so I, I definitely am in with you on jazz. Um, that rounds out for me selections. We kind of normally at the end of the show might highlight a guy or two, not spend a ton of time kind of going through um, the one that I, because you're all wrapped up too, right? Yes. Yeah. So the one that I struggle to not be on, um, no surprise probably to people who have listened for a while is Sammy Valamaki, right? <laughs> I would think Valamaki had one of the best stretches to end the year, right? He probably, he could have walked away with two wins, um, out of those four events that he played, right? He lost to Dan Bradbury. And then he, I think he had the 54 hole lead and finished 11th, or he was inside the top three, at least in the last event. Um, and he struggled on that Sunday. Um, so I think Valamaki being out to one thirties is pretty decent after seeing what he finished the year on. Yeah, I think for me, there, there was a there was a couple of players in this kind of 80 to 100 range. So Scott Jameson plays very, very well in this event, was obviously famously the 54-hole leader here last year, didn't get the job done. I love to back him, but I just can't do it to myself. Ewan Ferguson, I keep looking at thinking that he's way too big of a price at 110 to 1. That's every week he's 110 to 1 and generally seems to prove that 110 to 1 is right, so I've left it alone. Um, Brefa Carrera-Brello's got great form uh, in this event. Um, just can't get him right, so not even going to try to. But to me, the, the one that I really kind of wanted to put a little bit of a spotlight on, um, and, and you like these sort of things, uh, Jonghun Wang was a three-time winner um, on, the, on the DP World Tour 2016 he won twice 2017 he won again uh the final one of those was at the qatar masters um which you know is in the middle east he was a really really talented golfer for for a strong period of time during that first you know run on the dp world tour he was second at the nib bank golf in between those three wins uh he was second at the indian open fifth at the dunhill links obviously we've talked about links form being uh important in the past he's got an 11th place finish in this event in the past sixth at the divide as a classic it keeps going on and on and on right like he he was exceptional and the only thing that has held him back is he had military service like he's south korean and and he he drops off the face of the earth right um so had to go home do that but just in 2022 just to finish since he's been back playing golf it's just been some steady sort of finishes international series singapore 22nd korea fifth 23rd morocco third egypt was 48th at the fortinet um australian pga championship which i think he was actually playing better at before I feel, I feel like he drifted he actually yeah he was fourth after the first round yeah um hit a poor second round bounced back again with a 68 the final round so to me just for a player with, that had an awful lot of ability before he went away and unfortunately we see these things where they don't come back the same goal for and that would be the concern but um i just thought it was worth highlighting Yep, absolutely. He's somebody uh, who I think I highlighted on uh, kind of long shots. Maybe get a tour card as we know we have the top 10 um, yeah. guys that will be um, graduating to the PGA Tour um, next year, having status there. Um, I'll quick run through. Nathan Kimsey was probably the best challenge tour graduate in the fall, right? He yeah. cuts, three of those being in the top 27. Um, 
Don't let the age fool you. Padraig Harrington uh, finished very strong in the Champions Tour, also top 20 here last year, um, and has played well in the Middle East. I think he is somebody um, you could definitely round out some DraftKings lineups. It's he, really, go ahead. He's the one if the weather gets bad like he yes. wants, right? Yep, 100%. It's great to see Alexander Levy back. He's teeing it up. Him and Callum Hill both had an injury riddled last year. Um, so it's good to have both of those guys back. Uh, I think Callum Hill had like um, Lyme's disease or some type of, uh, I don't think it was like an injury as much as like a, a disease. So both of those guys, um, it is good to be back for them. Uh, and then I am still excited about Bradbury. Winning an event is no joke, right? Winning, a, winning an event like that um, in your first uh, DP World Tour start as a member um, is huge. So who knows? Sky, sky is the limit for him, in my opinion. And he's you know just back to basically the odds that he won at, right? Yeah. So um, I think he's got some upside. He still made both of his cuts right after winning. Imagine winning, changing your life, then all of a sudden still flying to, you know, another part or, uh, of the world and being able to tee it up and keep going. Or I think he might've been in South Africa for all of them, but either way, like it's still a lot to change your life and just tee it up, uh, and, and go after it. Now he got to level set his head, plan out his year, uh, a lot of things ahead. So I'm excited for those guys. Um, uh, we can round out our cards again one more time here, Tom. Would he like, have got into this event without winning that? Would he? Uh, no, no. No. So, I think the one thing it's is like Rolex series event, right? And yeah. Those that don't know Rolex series is like the elevated PGA tour events that they're going to have this season, right? Like these are like double the points, really big for the Ryder cup year. Yeah. And I think like, to me, like the fact that he's been able to, he's got that win before the calendar year was out. Like he's had the whole winter break to plan his 2023 schedule, pick where he wants to play. Um, obviously he's going to play in all these Rolex series events, but he can now take time off. Whereas like, if you come into 2023, not having won, you miss all those middle East events, uh, the Rolex series ones, at least the next two weeks. Um, and all of a sudden you're playing catch up. Right. And I think that's, I think that's a really important thing that people miss that like these rookies and these, um, you know, lower tier golfers don't have the ability and the choice to, to pick those spots. So the fact that he's got that is great. So um, without further ado, I shall round off my card. Uh, yep. Mimu Lee at 28 to 1. I'm joining you at Victor Perez, uh, 50 to 1, I believe he was. Adri Arnaus at 75, 80 to 1, depending on where you look. And Judge Jenna Watson on this 130 to 1 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Perfect. I have Bob McIntyre, 28 to 1, Victor Perez. Uh, and I'm going to do each way of these guys the rest of the way out. So that's top five bet you'll see on my card. So Victor Perez, 55 to 1, Francesco Molinari, 60 to 1, Nikolai Hoygaard, 70 to 1, Guido Migliazzi, 100 to 1, and Jazz Janawatanan, 130 to 1. Tom, it's great to be back. And it would be better if we could start the year just like it did last year with a winner. Maybe it's our event. Yas Links is our thing. And we can just roll right into 2023 with a W. That's what I'm hoping. Like, you know, you can't win them all. We don't win the first one, can you? Yep. Hey, amen. Best of luck, everybody. We appreciate the support. And we're looking forward to another great year together. Take care, everybody.